A question for you as we begin tonight. And this request this this question is not a request. It requires forthrightness and total honesty. I feel like we're a family, but if we can't be honest with one another, then what is the point? You ready? Here's the question. How many of you currently, right at this very moment, have already put up in any part or parcel your Christmas decorations? Now, before, okay, are we, we're getting this on live stream, right? We've got one, two, okay, well, all right. Now, I've got a whole series on this topic, and we begin that tonight. <laughs> it is interesting to me. Um, I, uh, I'm old school on that. I, you know, uh, old school or scriptural or whatever, there is nothing scriptural at all about celebrating, even thinking about Christmas until after the pies are put away on Thanksgiving. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're getting me riled up now. Um, <laughs> it, Christy, the other day, went uh, looking for some plates or something for, for Thanksgiving, uh, planning ahead and all of that kind of stuff. And she said, went to Walmart, and every single Thanksgiving item was like relegated to a small, tiny corner, and, and it was full-on, full-blown Christmas everything. And this was like right maybe the day or two after Halloween. Like, man, what, what's happening? You know, it's kind of, I mean, we just, we're, we're all... Halloween, and we jump right into Christmas. Of course, I understand that from retailing perspective and, and all of that, but Thanksgiving is uh, quickly becoming an overlooked holiday. In my opinion, uh, thankfulness and gratitude are becoming grossly overlooked as values in our culture. Now, I'm not picking on you if you've got your Christmas decorations up. I'm not saying you're in ingrates or anything like that. I'm just making an observation that where we are as a culture is very, very quick to jump over a time of thankfulness to God. Why? Well, because there's not a lot of shopping involved. Maybe some food, but that's about it. So, we got to be careful as Christians in our world because... When, when you go through the scriptures, Old and New Testament alike, you will quickly, quickly see that God is big. Uh, not so much on thanksgiving the holiday, but on thanksgiving the act. Giving thanks to God. Appreciation. Gratitude. Uh, we are in the, the Life of with Luke series, but we're going to look at some scriptures quickly uh, that are not in Luke as we set up our story for tonight. Psalm chapter 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Over to the New Testament. Of course, there's lots more in the Old Testament as well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called as one body, and be thankful. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Shot there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Let us therefore be grateful, for we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And finally, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. This is probably a more familiar one. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, thankfulness may be increasingly, eh, what's the point in our culture? But not in God's heart, not in God's mind. Gratitude, thanksgiving, thankfulness are crucial for God's people. You think about it. Think about every time in the Old Testament when God's people began to, to veer off the path that God had in mind. Every time, it was rooted in ingratitude. A lack of thanksgiving. Oh, we're hungry. So God sends the quail and the manna. And instead of showing appreciation for that, instead of crying out with gratitude to God, they begin to store up, they begin to hoard the manna. Because they're so fearful. When a, when a king would go against the will of God and begin encouraging the, the Israelites to serve other gods and to fall before the Asherah poles, worship Baal or other foreign gods, it was rooted in the fact that he didn't take time to appreciate and be grateful for what God had given him to lead. So gratitude is important. All throughout God's story, gratitude increases faith or ingratitude certainly erodes faith. We're going to look at this tonight in the story from Luke. We are in Luke chapter 17. You care to follow along? And I know most of you enjoy doing that. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19 is where we will be. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, he being Jesus. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith had made you, has made you well. These ten men had some things in common. The first is, we see initially, is that they all cried out. Luke points this out. They, they were standing at a distance, verse 13, and lifted up their voices, is what the ESV, some translations say they cried out. And you can understand, of course, why they did. They were standing at a distance because of their leprosy. 
Numbers chapter 5, verse 2, according to the law, this is what they had to do. This wasn't the the cruelness of their culture. It wasn't uh, being mean or anything like that. It was just following the law. Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. Literally and legally, the lepers were kept at a distance. There was a reason for that. And so, as you would do any time you force someone out, ostracize, you know, set outside the camp, um, there's going to be a common union, a community of those people who are outside the community. This brings people who are, and we call it forced community, people who had maybe different stories, different backgrounds. Certainly one of them was from an entirely different, as Jesus called him, a foreigner. And yet they're all in this forced community. And Jesus dealt a lot with people who are in different communities like sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. He was um, mindful of them. In fact, Luke says he saw them. We'll delve into that a little bit, but uh, a little bit later. Crying out to God was likely, I mean, it was just the way that they lived. To, to warn people, of course, of their uncleanness, uh, their uh, p- potential to defile. And so they don't want to, you know, that was, again, prescribed by the law as well. Crying out was, in this case, have mercy on us. This phrase that they, they direct to Jesus was a common cry for healing. In the book of Luke specifically, some, some there point out the, the story of uh, Luke chapter 16 uh, that Alex covered a couple of weeks ago. Verse 24, the rich man calls out, this is in where he's in torment, and he calls out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Okay, This is a different kind of mercy than what we maybe might think of in a sinful. He's, he's saying have compassion. And so he's, uh, this is a way in which they use that phrase. Go to Luke chapter 18. We'll be there uh, pretty quickly in our, as we work through the series. But in the story of uh, blind Bartimaeus, uh, verse 38, 39. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This was a this was a cry, and it was it came from a deeper place. So the Jews understood well the idea of crying out, what that meant, what that signified. Uh, the Psalm Psalmist in chapter 18, verse 6 says, In my distress. I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Now, several examples of crying out to the Lord. They understood that. We understand what these ten were saying when they cried out, Jesus, 
have mercy on us. It's a cry for compassion, a cry for not just to see, but to, to be able to, to extend something to them. Let me turn that personally on you for just a minute. In your walk with the Lord, have you ever had a moment, or many moments, of crying out to the Lord? I mean, getting to that point of utter, I don't want to say despair, that's probably too strong to say, but just there is no solution outside of God showing you mercy, extending to you some hope. That's, if you've been there, you can identify with the lepers. That is the kind of cry. There was no answer. There was not a, a medicine that they could take. There was not a doctor that they could see. They were seeking something that was miraculous. They were seeking healing from God. All right. The second part of the common things in common was they were they all cried out. Okay? This the second part is they were all cleaned up. Now, this is interesting because um, this interaction that they have with Jesus there's there's doesn't seem to be an instantaneous healing. It was uh, they cry out verse fourteen. When he saw them, he said to them, "Go and show yourself to the priests." This, again, was a, a legal requirement. When he, uh, and so, as they went, they were cleansed. Now, how that worked, I'm, I'm sure that was kind of interesting. I mean, they were just walking along, and all of a sudden, they're, they're from, you know, the top down, from the bottom up, the skin begins to change, uh, begins to become like a, a, a newborn or a small child, which is no imperfections. I don't know how that looked, but it seems like it happened after they left or after they, they headed toward the priest. <clears throat> Jesus hears this cry, and it's an outward cry, it's an audible cry, obviously, but this is a, this is a deeper inward cry of, of crying out to the Lord. And when he says, go to the priest, of course, Jesus, understanding the law, knew that that was something that they had to do. Uh, Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter, th- Luke. Leviticus chapter 13 because I know a Sunday night crowd wants to know. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into the case of a leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, the priest, and the priest shall examine the diseased area of the skin of the body. If the hair of the diseased area is turned white, the disease appears to be deeper than the skin, if it is, a case, it is a case of leprous disease, when the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. The fullness of it, but essentially, the priest had the power to say, clean or unclean. Right? I mean, it was probably clear as they were going, as they were heading toward the priest, that they were clean, but they had to be declared clean. Which is interesting. There's a very interesting spiritual application. Because when... When Jesus is referred to as the high priest in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 16, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, rather, through 16, uh, this sparked in my mind just an interesting thought. For for we, uh, since we then have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, 
Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but the one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The priest was the only one who could declare them legally clean. Jesus is our high priest then, is the one, is the only one who can bring us and justify us and declare declare us spiritually clean, you see. The cleansing that they have happens, and it's obviously we know it's a physical cleansing, uh, but it happens as they, after they go and they do as Jesus instructs. Again, it seems from the story that they leave the presence of Jesus still leprous, but it's on the way Now, was it that they turned around and they were leprous or they were a bit the ways down the road? The scripture doesn't say. But it reminds us that uh, uh, similar, although there's obviously some differences of the story of Naaman the leper. There were some instructions that Elisha the prophet gave. And it wasn't until he followed, Naaman followed the instructions when cleansing happened. He balked at the idea that he had to do such a simple thing. And and uh, these lepers are just simply very trusting, and they do as Jesus says, and the cleansing comes. But the response is very interesting. They all called out. They were all cleaned up, but only one, only one turned back. There were ten who were cleansed. They, were, they, they became clean on the way as they went. And we assume then that they would have gone to the priest to be declared clean. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been, you know, I saw that guy, he's a leper, you know. I mean, no, no, no. he had to get the clean bill of health from the priest. So we assume that they all went there. But, but for those, for, for nine of the ten, for them, life went back to normal. Or, I mean, goodness, as normal as they could imagine. Physically, just the physical change that they, whenever they saw themselves in a reflection of water or, or in some way, just able to look at their arms and their hands to see the difference. I mean, imagine, for just a minute, um, go ahead and, well, don't imagine. Just look at yourself. F- find an age spot. Find a, find a wrinkle. Find, a, find an, uh, a mole. Find a, you know, a wart. Find something on your body that, that hasn't always been there. That the day you were born wasn't there. Okay, go ahead. I, mean, I don't know why y'all looking at me. I have that many warts on my face. <laughs> Just for a second. I mean, at 41, I, I have scars and age spots and things that, you know, that weren't there, that didn't used to be there in my 30s and my 20s. These guys, how long they were lepers, we don't know, but... They have been living with this degree of the physical ailment for a long time. And all of a sudden, as they walked, it was like new. It's only when you have been through something like that that you realize the blessing of, of normal. Normal is something you take for granted until you don't have normal. 
Uh, health is something you take for granted until you don't have health anymore. Um, and w- then if you're able to get it back, you appreciate it that much more. Uh, went up to see Kelly Tyson in the uh, hospital this afternoon um, just to pray with her briefly. And I was thinking she'll have a whole appreciation now for taking a breath. You have something, you have a lung collapse, however it happens, but she probably never had that appreciation quite like she will now. You know I've had an eye injury in my right eye, several. (laughs) I really have a a, a real strong appreciation for my left eye. (laughs) It's carrying the whole thing right now. But I never would have fully appreciated vision until going through those things where I lost it. So for these lepers, just imagine what it was like to be changed. We read through that story and like, oh, yeah, you know, this is a whole level of physical transformation that they had experienced. They, they not only experienced that, they experienced relational transformation. I mean, for, for, for their, their lives were spent... In a community of people who are sick, just like they were, they were always at a distance from the community, from things happening. Just imagine for a moment, um, teenagers. You ever experience a moment when everybody's kind of in a circle or in a group or partaking in an activity or something's happening and you're not involved? You weren't invited or they don't see you? You know how that, that kind of gut was like, oh, man, does nobody care? Does nobody see? Lepers lived with this all the time. They were constantly outside. They were constantly outsiders. Think of what it would be like to hug your children, your spouse, your family, your friends, and not having maybe done that in years. There was a whole new level of new. Spiritually, being able to, to worship at the temple again. I mean, they, lepers weren't allowed near the temple being as unclean. They could go worship God at the place where everyone went to worship God. May we not run over this too quickly. understand the transformation that they had was huge. Physically, relationally, spiritually, probably in a whole lot of other ways as well. And as excited as they probably are to get back to their homes and friends and community, as excited as they are to to just have this renovated body, this renewed flesh, it would be real easy, in my mind, almost justifiable to go, Man, I'm excited and get so excited about that that they forget that it was because a guy that they didn't know, probably had just heard rumors of, had showed them mercy, had heard their cry, had given them cleansing. Only one, and he, a Samaritan, turned back. Luke is big on highlighting Samaritans. Uh, and we've talked a little bit. I'm not going to go too much into Samaritans in the history and all of that, but but Luke chapter nine, there's a story of the 
Samaritan village. And the, of course, the Good Samaritan is the famous one from Luke chapter 10. A lot of focus on the outsiders. Um, there was you know, Jews and Samaritans. And of course, the other Gospels include them as well. But Luke really focuses in. And it was this guy who was not just an outsider. He was an outsider in the way that all the ten were outsiders. But he had an extra level of outsider. <laughs> he was like outside the outside. I mean, even all amongst the lepers, I wonder if the lepers are like, oh, you know, we've got leprosy, but at least we're not Samaritans. And that was kind of their attitude. This, this one leper, and he is Samaritan. He stops. Before going back to life as normal, before, before heading home, before going, you know, going back to his village, getting back to, to life and just being in awe of this miracle, he stops. And in my mind, whether it's, whether, I don't know where they found the priest, at the temple or, or outside or how, but at that moment, he just turns and he heads back to Jesus. That's a lonely walk when he's used to walking around with these other nine. He walks this lonely road back to Jesus and he falls on his face, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. I don't think that the word there, thanks, is emphasized enough. I think it was absolute groveling, overflowing gratitude. The closest I can imagine. I was trying to think of like a Northside example. And I don't even know if it would be on, on par with what's being described here. But maybe someone like Daryl and Devana would have had this reaction to the mother of Joshua's heart donor. Maybe. I mean, that, that, that level of just overflowing, like, you don't know the gift that you've given me. Of course, Jesus knew that. But you, you don't. When, when Luke says that he gave thanks, may we not overlook that. It's like, it wasn't a moment of just, hey, thanks for the healing. Appreciate that. Head on back now. Now this was a this was something that came from deep within that man about the change that Jesus had brought within not just his body but his heart and his life. And this this is interesting. He gives thanks. First, he falls at his knees. He falls on his face, which is a posture of absolute humility. And then he gave thanks to him, which is an attitude of absolute humility. And then Jesus says this after, you know, the healing's already been done. This, this, Jesus didn't have any more healing to do in the physical sense, but this is interesting. Jesus answered, were not the ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Here's this guy groveling at Jesus' feet. And Jesus, in my mind, is, is saying this to, to his disciples who are around him. And then he turns back to the man who's groveling at his feet. And he says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
I'm curious about that. What does he mean, your faith has made you well? Because, because all ten of them had a degree of faith. All ten of them were healed. What was the tenth leper, the Samaritan leper, what was he healed from? What, what, what did he have? What, how was his being made well different? This is maybe me just going, just, yeah, I don't know. It just, that last part, just, I can't figure it out. What is Jesus saying when he says your faith has made you well? Oh, yeah, he's already well. Was this, was this gratitude unnecessary? Was it unexpected? No, it wasn't because Jesus said, where are the, where are the nine or the rest of you? The tenth leper as I view it, you can argue with me if you want. But as I view it, the tenth leper had what I'm going to call a second cleansing. And it didn't have anything to do with the physical body. I think it had everything to do with his heart. You see, we, most of us in here, can relate having come to Jesus for cleansing. But it's real tempting to forget what he did. To say, oh yeah, thank you Jesus, appreciate, you know, appreciate forgiveness of sins, appreciate, I'll see you in heaven. You've got to be careful with this. I think it's easy for us to become filled with pride and forgetfulness and selfishness in spite of having been cleansed. I mean, all the, all the lepers, no doubt, were, res, were excited to return to normal. This guy who's groveling at Jesus' feet had a family, had a village, had people to go to and return, and life is normal. But the Samaritan did something that the other nine didn't do, and that was this. He made gratitude a priority in his life with Jesus. Psalm 107 says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I know that psalm, but have you ever connected gratitude with the idea of fully understanding God's love? How closely tied it is to gratitude? I was not ever able to understand my parents' love for me until I became a parent. And then I had an appreciation for their love. I don't mean to overstate it. But gratitude is huge to God. Because it unlocks something within here. In our posture towards God. This leper, he was down here. He was down here. In absolute Total humility. What drove him to his knees? 100% gratitude. 100%. When you're filled with gratitude, it unlocks something that changes you. It changes your heart. It changes your pride, your ego, your self-centeredness. Mine too. 
And I think when Jesus said, rise, your faith has made you well. I think Jesus gave him an extra measure of healing. Something that people couldn't see. That for the rest of his life, that tenth leper had a measure of closeness to God that I'm not sure if he would ever have as a Samaritan. But he understood something God had done for him. And he didn't just say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the blessings, appreciate the healing. He said, thank you. And in a physical posture, but in a posture of the Spirit, he humbled himself. First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Some of the most humble people I know are also the most gracious. And so the second healing is that. Healing from our pride, from our selfishness, from thinking that it has anything to do with us and anything less than the very goodness and grace of God. May we learn from the tenth leper. May we not forget that with God, gratitude is not an option. And it's not a, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not like we do all these things right and God's like, well, you weren't thankful enough. You're missing it if you're thinking that. It is, I don't know, any of you guys play video games? Okay. Um, I'm not a video gamer. I, my last video game I played was like Nintendo back in the 80s. So old school. But there's this cool part in the video game where you go to the next level. Whether it's your character or your, the, the difficulty of the game or the, you unlock a code Gratitude does that. Ten lepers were healed, but only one of them went to the next level. Only one of them got the second blessing that Jesus said when he said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So what's our, our, our takeaway? May we learn from the leper. May we learn from the one who went back. And we have... May we have a spirit and a posture of humility, and that is rooted in gratitude. It is rooted in everything that God has taught us. Giving thanks to to someone, to anyone, is an act of humility. When you take the time to pause and acknowledge what someone else did for you, when you When you truly, I'm not just saying being superfluous or flattery or anything like that, but sincere appreciation. It's an act of humility. Because you're not focused on you. You're focused on what someone else did. And this is the same is true with God. When we show gratitude towards God, it acknowledges, one, his goodness, and two, our total, complete, full, Dependence upon him. Now we all are, right? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. God sends, you know, the sun shines on all, but but it's those who, 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 in a posture of humility, give thanks to God, they go to the next level. If you, if you look in Romans chapter 1, the story of the world falling apart. 
Romans chapter 1 is essentially, you know, the headline of any, you know, newspaper or app or website. It's the story of the world falling apart. And there's something buried within Romans chapter 1 as it describes the unrighteousness of human beings. If you care to follow along, Romans 1.21. He lists out all of these sins and, and, and he's going to list even more. But he says this about the wicked. For although... For what can be seen about God is plain to them. It's verse 19, I'm sorry. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. That's, that's a gut punch right there. Because I believe in God, and, and I believe God. When I see beautiful sunsets or go to the mountains or see the Grand Canyon. I mean, I, I, I look at those things, I go, I don't worship the creation. I worship the creator. But right there it says, they, didn't, they, they not only didn't acknowledge God, they didn't honor God, nor did they give thanks to him. They missed the opportunity. So, may we, may we acknowledge and become a, be, be a people of gratitude in response to the grace that he's given to us. Remember, just like all ten of them, he heard our cry. He healed us when we asked for healing. He cleansed us in ways that we can't even understand or know fully. So when was the last time you, you, you poured out praise to him? When was the last time you thanked him from the gut and just fell on your face and praised him and thanked him for, for that whole saying that this is a Sunday night sermon, okay? This is next level kind of stuff because when you get there, you go to the next level like the 10th the leper did. May he not say of us, where are the other 900? May he not say of us, where are they? May he say of us, Rise, your faith has made you well. And not just well from sin, but well from forgetting all he's done for you. The lesson is yours tonight. If you do not know Jesus, well, I can tell you, and if you've been paying attention, you know that he is the place, the only person you come to for true healing from a sickness that you cannot heal yourself of. And if you haven't done that, then there is no better time to come to him tonight. How do you do that? Simply come down front, tell me that you'd like to put on Christ, that you'd like to follow Christ and obey the gospel, 
And it's very simple to do. We make it more complicated than it needs to be. Repent of sin, profess his name, put him on in baptism. That can be done tonight. In a matter of five minutes, you can be part of the eternal family of God, added to the list of heavens saved, washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. And that can happen tonight. But maybe, maybe it's not that cleansing you need. Maybe it's a second Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you are like the other nine and you've gone on about your life, just thankful to Jesus, but refusing to acknowledge it, refusing to pour forth praise in your life and in your heart and in your mouth. And maybe you need to repent of that. And if you do, I'd be happy to accept that and, and pray for you and encourage you you have a need tonight, if you need to respond to the gospel, you need to begin changing your attitude in your heart to be more like the 10th leper. Uh, we're here to help you. If you have a need, please come as we stand and sing.